0: spoilers for Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Incoming!
1: Ready, fight! This is Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect films most bastardly schemes, then compete to improve them. I'm your host, Counter-Tacular, and this week's movie is 2010's Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So, peril pals... Get a life, earn the power of self-respect, and let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm the producer and label owner of the panel of peril, who will compete against me at the close of the show in a battle of the bads, to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week before we vote to name this week's most diabolical. As ever, I'm joined by three of my evil exes. Please introduce yourselves, along with the name of your band, and tell me, what is your favourite adaptation of a comic book or manga in any medium? Well, I will give you the name of a band that I was in, because I've was
2: in i been in a few bands. Uh, so my band name is Seize the Day. And we were a hardcore punk band, which was a lot of fun. I don't read comic books or graphic novels or anything like that. But I know my favourite TV series of one that's been adapted, I would say, something quite recent, and it's The Boys. Just it was something that I didn't know what to expect, and um, it was a wild ride.
1: So, Didn't expect to be inside a giant bellend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects to be inside a giant bellend.
2: Nobody, not never. <laughs>
1: Uh, And Ben, I would imagine you're not much of a comic reader either But I suspect I know what your favourite adaptation is Yes, I think I might know too
3: Well first I'm going to kick off with the name of a band Hello, I'm Ben And uh, my band I have been in a band called the Bonsai Brothers But uh, the band I would like to be in Would be called Sound Buffet Subtitle, A Feast for Your
1: Ears (laughs) First album (laughs) (laughs) Smorgasm.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and my favourite comic book adaptation is, yes, you guessed it, Attack on Titan.
1: I thought it might be. Yes. Gaz, you being a bit of a comic reader, I'm not sure what you're going to pick. I'm Gaz, and what power of pals listening
0: might have noticed that Craig refers to me as Gareth more often than not, which is in reference to our high school English teacher, Mr. Mel Jones, and my band name is something that he suggested to us in class for a band name, which is Jimmy Vomit and the Pukes. (laughs) (laughs) And my favourite adaptation of a manga is the first season only, because it really dropped off after season one when they changed animation studio, the first season of One Punch Man,
1: which is very, very Mm. funny. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Usually when I get asked the question, what is the name of my band, I also say Sound Buffet, but I thought you might. So my band is called The Rock Arena of Time, as a reference to The the Ocarina of Time. Nice. And my favourite comic book adaptation is The Adventures of Tintin animated series from 1991-92 that was produced by Nelvana and Ellipse, who also brought us the excellent Rupert Bear animated series, which I also loved. You have gone quite quiet now, is the only thing, Craig?
3: Yeah, you've gone very
1: quiet again. Ah, jeez.
3: It's probably better that he did for what he just came out with there with Tintin (laughs) and Rupert Bear.
1: (laughs) Time now to delve into this week's film and its year of release. In World Events of 2010, Tons of things that would make you think about death and get sad and stuff. I guess if you want to know it, just use Bing or whatever. Uh, Anyone? What's the website for Google.com? Anyone? (laughs) At the 82nd Academy Awards, the Hurt Locker was blowing up, securing both Best Picture and Best Director for Catherine Bigelow. At the box office, Avatar dominated, despite not showing up until December. You can hear our thoughts about that movie slash film in our 24th episode, along with our own diabolical plans for obtaining the Unobtainium, of course. Inception was at number six, and you'll be able to hear our thoughts on that in a future episode, which you will now definitely listen to as I have incepted so.
3: Don't maybe watch it again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Scott Pilgrim just about made the top 100, trailing some 26 places behind fellow comic adapt Kickass. Despite the relatively poor showing at the box office, the film was well-received by critics, receiving over 70 awards and nominations, and became enough of a cult favourite to warrant a re-release on its 10th anniversary. The film sees flaky man-child Scott let down his friends and family, his sex bob bandmates, and his fetishized high school girlfriend Knives Chow, when his head is turned by a burgeoning infatuation with the literal girl of his dreams, Ramona Flowers. Through a series of cartoonish and video-gamey yet deadly encounters with Ramona's seven evil exes, Scott gains firstly the power of love and then the power of self-respect, vanquishing Ramona's controlling ex-boyfriend and leader of the League of Evil Exes Gideon Graves, sacrificing the band's record deal but coming to terms with his own dark half, owning his mistakes and reconciling with the loved ones his actions and inactions have hurt. It's a slick hyper-stylized romantic action comedy as achingly cool as it is achingly uncool. Now, as it's our 47th episode, it seems like the appropriate time to introduce a new feature, which I'm calling Two One-Ups and One Game Over. I'll tell you three facts about Scott Pilgrim versus The World, two of which will be true and one will be false. You just need to identify the false one. So, number one. The performers who portray Lucas Lee's stunt team are, in fact, actor Chris Evans' real-life stunt team. Number two, due to cost savings, it's normal for productions to shoot in Canada and double for locations in America, but Edgar Wright had to fight for Scott Pilgrim to be filmed in its Toronto setting. And number three, all of the actors who play Canadian characters are Canadians in real life, while American actors only portray American characters. So one one of those ain't true. It's the stunt mm. team ones, the fakie, I think. Gaz is going with fact number one. It's a tricky one.
3: Well, I know Michael Serra is a Canadian fellow. I know that. That's what I know. Mm. That's the thing <laughs> that I know. That's probably the only thing I know. Mm-hmm. So make that what you will.
2: <laughs> <laughs> riddle me this, riddle me that. I don't know, that guy <laughs> who played
3: this, the stunt double looked a hell of a lot like him. Mm. A hell of a lot like him.
0: Mm-hmm. there's about 10 of them I think there's 6 6 just seems an excessive amount plus there's a couple of different nationalities ethnicities in there seems, seems a bit odd
1: to me mm.
3: I'm going with Toronto the Toronto one Edgar Wright fighting to film in Toronto
1: ok so we've got a split so far Turner going to split it three ways
4: well
2: yeah I'll go for the other one just to I'm going to say that, 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 that you know it wasn't necessarily
1: all Canadian or American smart choice Adam's right Ooh! a lot of that The actors who play the Canadian characters are Canadian, but not all of them. So there you go. The producers wanted to film it in New York for some reason, even though they film fucking everything in Toronto Mm. normally. And Mm. the one thing that's actually set in Toronto, they were like, oh, Toronto doesn't look like Toronto on screen. Need to film it in New York. (laughs) You he
2: already looks
1: like Toronto, New York. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, apparently, and this wasn't on IMDb or anything, but apparently the stunt team are Chris Evans is, uh I guess maybe they, they don't all double him. Maybe the, the others do other yeah. stuff. Because some of them look yeah. just like him, don't they? And like, I'd say two of them mm. do, and then four of them kind of a bit.
3: Like the main one that he stands next to was ridiculous. Mm. Yeah. About, wow.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got a bonus fact for you which I was thinking about throwing in as a red herring because it's so weird. But the actors who portray Knives and young Neil are both older than Michael Sarah. Yeah. I think
2: she's like three years older than him wow. or something like she's that. She's five
1: years older than him, yeah. Oh, she? Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. yep.
2: and his sister, who plays his yes. younger sister, Anna Kendrick's three years older than Yeah, <laughs> but I always assumed that she
1: was meant to be his big sister just because of the relationship that they have. But I think in the comics, she is his younger sister.
2: Yeah, I thought that too. She says little brother in the film as well, though,
1: didn't she? So yeah, I like, but I think that's I like, like an attitude a, thing, maybe.
2: Uh, yeah, that's it. I think he sees me immature
1: here. But yeah, Knives has a line where she says, uh, I think of Ramona. She's so old, she's probably 25, and that's how old the actress mm. was. So that was a little mm. in-joke for her. <laughs> All right, then. Now it's time to find out what the panel of Peril thought of the film before we throw open the chat to talk in more detail about our favourite aspects, sequences, and lines. So can we start with Ben? What did you think of Scott Pilgrim versus the world?
3: I really enjoyed it. I went into it not knowing what it was about. I'd never seen it before. And it was a great example of Edgar Wright. Mm. And he'd been given budget to really express himself. I loved the way it was edited. It felt original. I felt like it had his personality all kind of stamped all over it. The cast was great. I do not understand how it, so poorly
1: yeah it must have been marketing i guess
2: i've read it was they guessed at that people were sick of seeing michael Sarah and fucking everything
1: (laughs) yeah maybe which i was like my partner hates him won't watch anything with him in it
2: yeah i appreciate he's got he's pretty much he's michael Sarah in every film isn't he
1: it's because of juno it's juno isn't it because in juno he's not a nice guy is he so I think that put yeah. audiences off him. And then he did a Funny or Die sketch where he was like a Toby Maguire type on set. Mm. Like he was really laying into people being nasty. I think a lot of people thought it was real. <laughs> so he got a bit of a reputation as a as a bit of a mm. non-nice guy. I didn't realise you hadn't seen this before, so I'm pleased that I introduced mm. you to it because I watch this at least once a year. That's great. Which is, is funny in this household because Emma won't watch it, so I just have to watch it on my own. Yeah,
3: I, I like Michael Sarah anyway. I, I love him from rest of development obviously yeah i also love him in youth in revolt which is a a series of books i love yeah and uh the film didn't do do great but i really enjoy it i just think i think he's a great actor i think he he does the the subtle things really well and i think he's great great in this
1: what have we always said is the most important thing what have we always said comes before everything else Family. Family. Breakfast. <laughs> I thought you meant out of the things you eat.
4: <laughs>
1: Best opening line to any sitcom ever. That's a genius joke. Uh, Adam, what were your thoughts on Scott Pilgrim? Had you seen it before? Yeah, I'd seen it before.
2: I absolutely love it as well. I do think there's a film out there like it. Again, I'd echo what Ben said. It's absolutely criminal that it uh, didn't receive a better um, outing. Um, and, but yeah, if we, like we say, we just passed it around why we think if it's the curse of Michael Cera yeah, or something something along those lines, which is utterly stupid. But, you know, it's one of those films that just blows you away. It looks so good and everything is so detailed. You know, there's – I've written – we'll go through it in a bit. But, you know, there's just stuff like Julie Powers. She says, like, she f- forbids – him to see Ramona Flowers, and it's like all lights go up, and her voice goes louder, then it all comes back up, and it's just little details like that, and I'm like, fuck, yeah, I love the care that they put into it. I love that the fact that it's got so many great performances from so many like well established names now, yeah. And there's there's a there's there's only a couple of things really that that let it down, but that doesn't detract from it being an absolutely fantastic film, and. It's another film that I went straight onto eBay and bought the Blu-ray of straight afterwards.
1: Yeah, I know that Edgar is obviously known, as yeah. Ben mentioned, for his uh, editing style, you know, the yeah. frequent cutting yeah, and the, and the whip pans and all that kind of thing. But beyond that, he's such a great visual storyteller. I don't know if you've seen uh, Last Night in Soho. That didn't do too well either for some reason, but. Like, it's it's full of mirrors. You look at some of the shots and you you think, Mm. A, how did you achieve it? But but B, how did you conceive it? Some of them are so clever. Mm. But what I love in in Scott Pilgrim is a lot of the visual cues for auditory things. So, like, when he plays the chord, you get all the Ds going through the air, stuff like that.
3: Yeah, that's so good.
1: Well, one thing that I happen to know about Gareth is that he has read the Scott Pilgrim comics. And I know that the film deviates from them a bit. So I'd be interested to find out what he thinks of Scott Pilgrim versus the world.
0: I've seen it a few times before, but not for a while. And we've talked in the last couple of episodes about the mood that you watch your film in can vary how you feel about it afterwards. Mm. I don't think I was in a bad mood watching it, but I (laughs) fucking hated it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Wow. I just found it insufferably smug at times, especially <laughs> Michael Sirra's performance. He did my absolute head in. <laughs> Fight scenes are very good. Yeah. In <laughs> the visual flourishes. And Bill Pope's uh, cinematography is absolutely beautiful, mm. as his films always are, uh, particularly Spider Man 2 in the First Matrix look tremendous. Yeah. But yeah, God. It did my head in. I <laughs> was really surprised. Like literally from the second Michael Sarah appeared on the screen with his little like looking off to the camera faces, I was like, oh fuck off.
1: <laughs> and it never really the changed the entire Get way. Three.
0: The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose if that's your
1: first impression, difficult to shrug off because I mean he's meant to be smug, isn't he? That's part of it. Yeah. But also like yeah. Wallace is mm. quite smug as well, isn't he? Like, uh, oh, oh look, oh, it's yeah, that one yeah. guy.
0: <laughs> Stuff like <Yeah>. that. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> I, th- I thought about it, and I thought, what Edgar Wright films do I actually like? And I thought, can I Cornetto trilogy? Mm. Yes, all three of those definitely. Yeah, yeah. but I didn't like Scott Pilgrim. I didn't like The World's End. Oh, I really like it. It's worth a rewatch if you haven't seen it. Baby Driver. Yeah, I don't yeah. like Baby Driver. Yeah. No, I like Baby Driver. Didn't like Last Night in Soho. So it's fifty-fifty at the moment, unless there's a film that I'm had forgetting.
1: Last night Zoho was wonderful to look at. But I did find the plot a bit dull. I must say I don't like the twist near the end.
0: I won't spoil it, obviously, mm. since we're not doing that film. Yeah, now, but I didn't really, like that either. No,
1: but yeah, I don't. Something about World's End didn't click with me at the time, but maybe it's time to to revisit. I felt
2: the same about it, to be honest. But maybe yeah, uh, does need reappraisal.
1: Maybe maybe for this,
0: who knows? It has an antagonist.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's Martin Freeman, right?
0: Uh, well, it's it's uh, Bill Nye does the voice for the thing in the sky that's controlling everything.
1: I just meant because Martin Freeman's meant to be a bit of a
0: prick, isn't he? Oh, right. <laughs> <comes>. Wait, what, <laughs> so IRL? Bill
3: Nye does Martin Freeman's voice?
0: <laughs> Operates him like a, a hand puppet. I haven't seen it for a while, but I
1: don't think he does.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He's got Martin Freeman like a freaking mannequin. <laughs>
1: Beyond Michael Sarah, what do we think about the, the other performances in this? How about Kieran Culkin? Because although he, again, is quite smug, I, I, yeah. Kieran Culkin, I think he's excellent.
3: I think he's a scene stealer. He's excellent.
1: Yeah,
2: that's it. I think strongest performance, I think, out of everybody, to be honest. Because whenever, yeah, like Ben said, whenever he's there, it's just like, great. He gets all, I don't know whether he gets all the best lines. Well, maybe he does, but he, he delivers him so brilliantly as well. So...
4: Mm.
3: Yeah, for me, it's it's him and and Ellen Wong as knives. Yeah. Those two, every great. every scene they're in, they 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 steal it. I think they're
4: great.
0: Yeah, mm. I do quite like knives. Now, now you mention it, there's something about the over the top sincerity that actually works quite well mm. as opposed to the the over the top flippancy of some of the other mm. characters.
1: Yeah, I think that's on purpose, though, isn't it? Because she's meant to be the sympathetic oh, yeah, character yeah. in yeah. that dynamic, mm. so. I suppose it's it's successful in in that aim, but maybe that shouldn't have been the aim. (laughs) Maybe that's the problem. (laughs) What about Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Ramona Flowers? Is she a manic pixie dream girl? And does that matter? I have always had a thing for her. So for me, yes, I
2: really like her. So she doesn't need to do much as far as I'm concerned and I like she
1: scores on the boner chart she does
4: yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) boy
2: (laughs) shawing
1: I think the first thing I saw her in was Final Destination 3 which I absolutely fucking loved thought it was amazing I don't remember yeah yeah, I'm pretty sure that was her.
2: A... I like the whole like rock chick thing. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I, I like I like her performances in the films as well. In various films as also, well, you know, I, I think she does. Um, You're gonna have to fight you and McGregor for her, I'm afraid. Well, he's like Gideon. He's my Gideon. So yeah. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and
3: destroy the chip in the back of her neck. Bloody back of my throat's burning now after vomit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we should talk about um, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, mm-hmm. As he's the villain. What do you think of his performance?
3: Sleazy. Good. Yeah, sleazy. he's good at doing sleazy. Mm-hmm. I'd have loved to see more of him, to be honest. I thought he was great. People like him. Let's see some more of him. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a formula that could work.
0: <laughs> I think he could have done more with it, whether that's just the material he was given. Mm. But it's just, it's kind of your stock comedy, sleazy villain character for me. I think I, I agree. He could've he could have done a wacky voice. He could have done a Heath Ledger or a Tom Hardy and <laughs> done a wacky voice, couldn't he?
2: <laughs>
0: what would it sound
2: like, guys? <laughs> uh, go on then. Go on. Let's hear, let's hear your giddy and wacky voice.
0: Skid pilgrim. Ooh, <laughs> <Gideon> <laughs> voice. Something like that. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I've got a giant mech in the comic. That sounds like liquid snake. <laughs> <laughs> from the original <laughs> Metal Gear <game.
1: laughs> Change all the vowels is a good voice to do. Ah, scat palgram. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a Smith type thing. <laughs> uh, I want to ask for your thoughts next on the soundtrack. I am a fan of Beck Hansen mm-hmm. and his musical stylings. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy the Sex bob songs? Yeah, I thought they were all, all good.
3: Yeah, I did. I thought they sounded... Like real songs, you know, not just made for the film, but like real band songs that were great.
1: My favourite though is Black Sheep by Metric, which is the song that the Clash at Demonhead performed. Brie Larson singing for real. I think her version of it, I prefer it to Metric's. There's a full music video of that online. And I just love yeah. that song. I think it's really cool.
3: Michael Serra plays bass, doesn't he?
0: For real in some of them. He for real, yeah.
1: He plays bass better than Scott Pilgrim plays bass, yeah. Yeah, he has to he tone it down. To. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: the Les Dawson of the bass playing world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you gotta be you gotta be really good at playing bass to look like you're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Brie Larson really was a becca. She really wanted to be in the film because she's a big fan of Edgar Wright, apparently. Yeah. So she like really put in every effort to get in there, and I think she even tried on because what's her name? Envy um, has uh, is red hair, red headed in the comics. She is. And then she, yeah, and but they changed it to blonde for her.
3: I found her performance a bit cheesy. There's a joke about her name being Brie, by the way.
1: Ah, uh, I missed it. Oh uh, I just say, by the way, for now and forever, I'm a big fan of Brie Larson and all the people who don't like her online. Yeah, suck the the up forever. Absolutely fuck a I'm a big fan nut. of
2: Brie
3: in general.
1: Yeah, I like I
3: like Brie. I don't like Brie. Get the fuck out of here,
1: guys. Oh, I love Brie. Bree and Brie and bacon. Oh. Brie and cucumber sandwiches. Lovely. Mm. Smells like sick when it melts. You're not allowed to eat Bray Turner. You'll lose your vegan powers. No, I've not
2: got vegan powers. I'm not not full (laughs) vegan. I I can't give up cheese. I fully admit to that. Ovo-lacto-vegetarian,
0: maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. In the comics, this is a slight tangent, I think it's Mm. Brandon Routh's character, the confrontation in the comics. I'm sure I've told you this before. It's... uh, (laughs) It takes place in a store, like a thrift store type place. Yeah. Where things are randomly placed everywhere and you can't find what you're looking for. And they've got to get from one side of it to the other. And they're like collapsing (laughs) and (laughs) fainting, (laughs) trying to find their way through this random store. It's very funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I get why they didn't do that in the film, but I kind of wish they had. Maybe they'll do a. (laughs) Well, do it in the anime, maybe. Make it expand yeah. it a bit. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, going to be very soon. We've talked about this before, but the universal ident on this film, I fucking love as well. The eight yeah. bit one. Yeah, really good. Did you know who narrated this? He only says a couple of lines, but I didn't know who it was until this viewing. Never bothered looking before. One of my favorites, Bill Hader. I love Bill Hader. Oh,
2: oh okay. yeah. From yeah, I saw him uh, in the cast list. But he yeah. didn't have anything underneath his name, so I was like, well, uh, he must just have
1: a, like, a little cameo or something, I thought. It's really funny, one of the first notes I made here is that Michael Sarah's performance is quite charismatic. It uh, uh, could have been quite a contrast to Gaz's.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one thing I, I don't get is, I don't think his character and his relationship with, or his his blossoming relationship with Ramona, is there's not much to it at all, is there? And yeah. it's hard to see yeah. what she sees in him. Right. Because, I mean, it's understandable why Knives likes him, because she's a schoolgirl and he's in a band. And she, yeah. you know, and you can relate to that. But yeah, how does he snare Ramona properly? Cause
1: yeah, I think at, at the beginning, she, like he kind of picks up on, is just alone and looking for some company. And mm. what I think she sees in him later on, he should be a more annoying character than he is, right? Because he's this mm. man-child slacker type but there's something endearing about his performance and Mm. i think it's just he allows himself to be quite vulnerable with her you know when she invites him to bed and doesn't sleep with him and he Mm. just he's he's quite happy that's all he wanted yeah because he should by all rights be a lot more irritating than he is and i agree he is quite irritating but i think like i said earlier that a lot of that is on purpose i didn't find him irritating myself i I was just like what is it i think he pulls it back is what what it is its is? has got quite
0: a just Quite a punchable face, Michael Sarah. At times, <laughs> I've never actually punched anybody, but Michael Sarah could, could be the first. I'm never thinking know. about Watch punching you in the face right now.
3: <laughs> I'm gonna break your punching cherry on Michael Sarah's face. No, <laughs> oh, that sounds horrible.
1: <laughs> Have you got any favourite moments? And let's start. Favorite moments with Adam, please.
4: Uh, Let me just.
3: So unprofessional.
2: (laughs) I have written loads of notes. I'm
4: gonna uh, make
1: a note. I'm gonna make a note right now. Never go to Adam first because this (laughs) happens every time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like. I liked the fight with Lucas Lee. Mm.
2: That whole sequence there, and the fact that he doesn't actually need to do anything to to kill him, essentially, apart from just goading into killing himself. So. And that was great. Yeah, that's really cool. And I'd, I'd say that. Um, and I like it when
1: knives attacks at the end as well. Two favorite bits. Very I'd cool. Say. It's a hero moment. Yeah. I got you down next. Scares for favorite moments. Maybe it was the end credits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've got
0: the first fight with Matthew Patel. Yeah, uh, it's really cool. Sort of instantly shows off the anime stylings of the fight sequences. Mm. with the charging towards each other with the blur lines and the frame uh, aspect ratio changing and turning to coins yeah. after he's uh defeated them yeah it's, uh, <laughs> yeah it's very and his harpies good. and his yes, desi dance moves
1: that's all yeah, i was that. just
0: gonna say the little bollywood sequence yeah that's my
1: favorite yeah that's cool and ben you have a favorite sequence
3: yeah, I really like is it the Katayanagi brothers mm. the playoff the with the uh, with the music and the dragons coming out that bit was really cool. But, the, but it was for me rather than certain set pieces it was the, just the little touches that I loved the most.
1: Yeah. Like
3: hearing the like the little Zelda sound effects. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. The Zora's Domain music when that plays when he goes into the dream sequence I really love that.
3: It's used quite a lot. That you get the duh, 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 like yeah. chest open just some touches like that. I just thought we're, were great. He got permission from Nintendo to use loads of sounds, didn't he,
2: Edgar Wright?
0: Well, they're very litigious. If he didn't have permission, they are. I
1: think, yeah. uh, they would have
0: <laughs> bankrupted
2: him. <Yeah. laughs> so that that's why it feels so authentic and it's littered with it because he can.
3: He's had the permission. So getting that was a, a wise decision, however much it cost him.
1: Mm -hmm. One of my favourite moments is the bit where Scott is getting dressed for action. He's decided he's going to go out and do something and it has that getting dressed, snappy edit montage that you expect from Edgar Wright. But then it cuts to him tying his shoes and it takes fucking ages. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I like... I like the bit where he, he orders something on Amazon and then sits there waiting for it to be delivered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cross-legged
1: on the doormat. <laughs> and then throws it in the bin when it comes. <laughs> uh, what about favourite lines? Uh, can we go first to Gaz for favourite lines? It's at the house party at the start when Scott goes up to
0: the fella called Como. Como, yeah. Como, who knows pretty much everyone. And he holds up, like, a really shit, illegible drawing. And he says, do you know this girl? And he instantly says, yes, that's Ramona Flowers.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's great. It makes me laugh every time. Yeah. And Ben, favourite line?
3: Oh, I've got three. I can't choose. Probably my favourite favourite was, that's it, you cocky cock. You'll pay for your crimes against humanity. (laughs) Yeah. And Scott, when he's,
1: uh, he's fighting with Todd. Yeah, that's a great one. I'll come back to you for some more after after Adam. Mine
2: is Scott responded to
1: Knife's Chow when she
2: says, "I've never even kissed a guy," and he goes, "Hey," <laughs> gives her arm a little rub. Me neither.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the greatest lines in the whole film is when Scott is asking Ramona if she had a, a sexy phase, and she says, "I was just a little bit curious." And then Mae Whitman says, oh yeah, well I am a little bit furious
3: Yeah, brilliant. That was great to see her as actually from wrestling yeah, development.
1: Yeah, in a very different role. Egg. <laughs> yeah. Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what Michael winds up calling her, isn't it? She's called Ann. She's like, he calls her
1: Belle. I mean, uh, Annabelle. <laughs> Another pun that I love. You once were a vegan, but now you will be Begon. gone. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I could again go through the script with favourite lines. I've got so many, so I'll yeah. probably stop there. Maybe, maybe come back to them at the end. I'll tell you some of the other ones.
2: I don't know what he, uh, I'd say. It was a, like a combination of favourite line and favourite sequences. The bit where he faces Nagusco. And then it comes yeah. out of a lift at the end, and he's just like talking about <laughs> coffee or something. Yeah. It's just like, I just like, that's a perfect ending. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Absolutely perfect. I just thought, and that's what I've written. Perfect ending. It's, it's nice and symbolic as well, because yeah. it is Scott's nature, instead of fighting his dark side, to kind of em- embrace it and accept it for mm-hmm. what it is. So I like that about it. Yeah,
3: I think we could all learn from there, Craig. Hey.
1: Yeah, I think so. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World sees Ramona Flowers' jealous evil ex, Gideon Graves, form an alliance with her six other evil exes in order to challenge her current suitor, Scott, in apparent but probably metaphorical combat to the death. Meanwhile, Gideon observes the progression of Scott's band in his guise as G-Man, a hotshot record label owner looking to sign up the winner of a battle of the bands. Once he's able to get close enough to Ramona, Gideon uses a chip to control her, and signs Scott's band Sex bob who replaced Scott on base with Young Neil. Gideon's plot comes undone when Scott comes clean with Knives and Ramona, and the three team up to take him down. But how did the panel of peril rate Gideon's plan? Was it a good plan, and how well was it pulled off Ben?
3: I think it's quite diabolical, isn't it, really? Hmm. Getting a load of exes together to fight off potential suitors. It's pretty good going. How
1: many cubbies... How many brocks?
3: Ah, oh, you want to get straight to uh, brass tax, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to be a little bit special this week because the, the florets are going to be 8-bit florets. Oh, Nice. Quite blocky, but... yeah, Hard to swallow. I'm going to give him 9 florets of broccoli. I think it's very yeah. devious. Yeah. So he, he manipulated the situation. He even went as far as to get his band on his side. Yeah, I think it's quite, pretty devious. Well done, Gideon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bravo, son. <laughs> and Adam, how did you rate Gideon's plan?
2: Yes, it was a despicable plan, wasn't it? Horrible bastard, <laughs> scum, subhuman scum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the only problem was his
1: deployment of the X's. Uh, really, oh. giving us a little insight into your plan there, maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Maybe.
1: Oh. And La, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a
0: good plan, isn't it? Get the the rest of the exes to soften him up,
3: like hippos.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> like hippos uh, no spoilers, all over the world. Yes, like hippos. <laughs> uh, it's just that he doesn't take account of, of Scotty Boy's uh extra extra guy. His free guy. Mm. His other life is is what I'd call it because I'm uh, not an American.
1: Yeah. Do we think though that? and I think this has been made explicit by the director and possibly the writer that all of that stuff, the video gamey stuff is just meant to be metaphorical and doesn't literally happen. I haven't thought about it.
3: No, that would make the ending very confusing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Because he dies
3: and then does it all again, then comes back and then has a second go.
1: Yeah. Or does he, does he just Mm. think about it? Is that, is that what happens? Who knows? Who knows?
3: If he'd have woken up in the shower at the end, said it was all a dream, then I'd have
1: understood it, I think. So the final book wasn't out. Game of Thrones style wasn't out when uh, Mm, the movie was made. So they didn't have an ending, and they did film a different ending that test audiences hated, where Scott ended up with (laughs) Knives. Yeah. I think it was a good ending. Just the way it is. Me too. Me too. Me too. Are we ready to move on to the contest?
4: Woo! Mm-hmm.
1: Contest, Yee-ow! yeah,
4: man!
1: I want to hear Gaz's bow, bow,
3: e- either bow, bow, dog sh- dog bow, shit or hippo plan. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe hippo shit, <laughs> or
2: is uh, hip hippos oh, rolling dog shit? Here we go over their nose.
3: <laughs> here we go.
1: Here this we go. is the part of the show where Gaz either uses dog shit or hippos to come at- up. <laughs> <laughs> This is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of Season three's Most Diabolical. Up for grabs is one point for each vote, which will go towards the season leaderboard. Gideon tried to win Ramona back by controlling her mind and sending her exes after Scott, but it all went wrong. So, how would you have done things differently, Gaz? Oh, my. Go for the hippos first. The himbo, did you say? Himbo. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
0: upon ending her relationship with the chad gideon graves ramona flowers would direct graves to send any further correspondence to the email address small dick at sure it was harsh but to the small group of people who knew about it it was equally hilarious Nearly 10 hours after Miss Flowers' declaration, Graves responded publicly, tweeting via Twitter, Thank you for confirming your email address and that you have a small penis at Ramona Likes Flowers. The world was curious, and I do agree that you should get a life heart emoji. (laughs) With that tweet, he attached a video of himself smoking a cigar dressed in a red robe. After taking a puff from the cigar, he boasted about its greenhouse gas emissions, saying, Releasing greenhouse gases into your precious subspace highway, he continued. I'm obviously a stranger to controversy. It's not something I often do. But I was simply minding my own beeswax, being cool and rich and sexy, when Ms Flowers, after I ended it with her, not the other way around, sought to humiliate me. And she responded by telling me her own email address. Ramona's email address is I have small dick energy. Why would that be your own email address, Ramona? Strange, he asked the young Amazon delivery person. He continued. Obviously, I don't want to assume your gender. It's 50-50. But it is what it is. I'm not actually mad at Ramona. Please, bring me pizza and make sure those boxes are not recycled. I'm not actually mad at Ramona, right? Because she doesn't realise she's been programmed. She doesn't realise she's a slave of the Matrix. She thinks she's doing good. Yeah, 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 I'm doing an Andrew Tate thing where he somehow <laughs> managed to gaslight Ramona into returning to him somehow. At this point, I went and had a bowl of muesli, which was very nice. I am a fan of muesli, I always have been. And a cup of lore, I think that's how you pronounce it, artisan delicato coffee, which I find very nice to drink, but it has quite a strong aftertaste, and I probably won't buy it again, to be honest. The other idea I had, which is the one I'm actually going for, Discount that Andrew Tate stuff. What? The other idea was <laughs> that two bites that of the cherry <laughs> was that Gideon would put Ramona in a suitcase that traps her on the moon or something, and then they both live on the moon or whatever.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: <Yeah. laughs> Episode forty-seven and Gaz's contempt is really shining through.
1: <laughs> I was just saying to Emma earlier. Yeah, Gaz is uh, in last place, so I'm really going to lean heavily towards him this week. But uh, I don't think I am going to keep that- up. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: in actuality, the first idea that I had was the suitcase that traps him on the main, And I was like, OK, how am I, I going to expand that? And I was like, I don't know. And I was like, Andrew Tate's a cunt, isn't he? Maybe maybe I'll just take the piss out of him a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> you you just put a target on back.
3: We're going to get Andrew to death now. Yeah, oh, that's no. it. We're just going to get all these
2: uh, misogynistic fuckwits attacking Myself. us on our podcast. Uh,
0: so, Suitcase on the Moon, eh? Yes, I think that's perfectly within keeping of the uh, universe of the film and that it is something that would happen and work. Suitcase on the Moon, it's a lot to unpack
1: oh <laughs> very
3: nice
0: very nice any breathing issues with
3: being on the moon
0: the suitcase uh, projects like a oxygen force field which okay. you just carry the suitcase along with you wherever you walk and the force field moves that's okay that's good that's
2: nice that's a nice feature i'd definitely buy that
3: i don't think you'll quite understand the gravity of the situation though
4: Oh, <laughs> here we go! <laughs>
2: that's,
4: Crank, that's what we're
1: looking
2: we're for. It, up, we're cranking up.
3: Oh yeah! <laughs> uh, Crave trying to Google banter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just thinking. Doesn't she say? And I what I was googling is who who she says this of. One of her exes punched a hole in the moon for her.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Todd.
1: Todd Ingram, isn't it? May have been Todd. So.
0: I don't think that affects the plan. The moon's still there.
1: It's still there. But what I'm thinking is, if one of Rex's can punch a hole in the moon, Scott can get up to the moon, carry on winning her back. He hasn't got the suitcase, though, has he? Think about it.
3: Say that, you banter-googling fool. (laughs) Check and mate.
1: (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Ben, let's have you next, please. For me,
3: Gideon's biggest mistake was not taking Scott seriously enough from the beginning. He allowed the weedy bass player to gain the confidence and powers of self reflection that proved to be his undoing. So, what would I do differently? I would make my move on Scott much, much earlier, get him out of the picture and have Ramona all to myself. Once I hear news of Matthew Patel's defeat, I would know that this low-end Casanova isn't to be trifled with. I'd assemble the remaining Evelexes and track him down, wait until he's all alone, and then pounce. While Scott may be able to defeat us all one-on-one, our combined strength is too much for him. We'd rough him up, tie him up, pick him up off the floor, then take him uptown to the Chaos Theatre. There, I'd strap him to a gurney with neon tube lighting to make it look trendy. Then, I'd implant him with my mind-control chip, just the same as I did with Ramona. He would immediately start receiving commands, seemingly from his own brain, that he is helpless to resist. In an instant, he ceases lusting after Ramona and starts to treat her with cold indifference. He now loves Wallace and a polyamorous relationship with him is what he really wanted all along. He also quits the band, sells his bass and starts that career in insurance sales that he's always dreamed of. Most importantly of all, he never, ever wants to take out the chip because it's the best thing that ever happened to him. The end of my plan.
0: (laughs) Simple, but effective. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I like the (laughs) fact that you've... uh... Combine
4: the
1: X's together, and you'll probably find out why in a bit. Oh yeah. Um, do you think that Wallace is interested in Scott that way?
3: It doesn't matter. Scott's a dog going after a bone, isn't he? Just change the bone. Just change the bone, Craig.
1: <laughs> oh, so it doesn't doesn't matter because you, you said they got into a, a relationship. That's all. And I wasn't sure.
3: No, that he, in his mind, that's what he wants. He no. he wants a, he wants a polyamorous relationship with Wallace. So that's what he's going to focus his attention on.
2: Got you, got you. What happens if the bone he's chasing turns into a pedigree stick?
1: Hmm, good question.
2: Then he'll have healthier teeth? Not necessarily. They're more full of fat, probably kill him a lot quicker than chewing on a bone. Well, if he's dead, that's even better.
1: PSA for you dog owners there?
2: Yeah, ones made out of vegetables, that's sound. But uh it's just these ones made with congealed ash, then yeah, your, dog, your dog or your hero is going to be... Um, Six feet under, poor you do it.
3: Yeah, but if he dies, that's okay, because then he won't go after Ramona. So either way, I win. I was talking about dog. You just said
1: hero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, have any of us got any more questions for Ben there? All right, then. Can we have Gaz's plan next, please? <laughs> uh, it's to in a suitcase. Which, oh, that was uh, real, was it? it <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought i nodded off and dreamt that <laughs> okay Adam let's have your plan please united we stand divided we
2: fall that should be the motto of the league of evil X's. individually yes they are powerful but Scott Pilgrim manages to edge them in combat upon his formation of the guild Gideon Graves uses his power and influence to prevent Ramona from ever having another partner other than himself and having all seven evil exes pool their resources. This time when Scott makes his move on the magnetic Ramona, there can be no victory for him, just the way of pain. As Pilgrim leaves Ramona's the following morning, there is a roll of thunder from the sky. Scott casts his eyes skyward in time to see seven distinct bolts of lightning hit the ground one after another, dispensing the seven evil exes before him. And Scott stumbles backwards in surprise. Ramona hears the commotion and runs outside, seeing her evil exes there before her. She helps Scott to his feet and gives him the explanation she does in the film about what the heck is going on. As Scott stands there, open mouthed and clueless how to act, the exes advance on him. Pilgrim is a worthy foe but he lacks the confidence he gains from fighting them one-on-one in the film. Roxy is the first to act and lashes out at Scott with a metal class whip, tearing a chunk of skin from his face. He dodges her next lash and grabs a real estate sign pole, which Roxy's next attack wraps around. Scott pulls her in and kicks her away in some trash cans, rubbish bins. Kapow! Hey, pilgrim, get off Ramona and drink your milk, shouts Lucas Lee. As he drives forward, fist clenched and slams a right hook into his face. Scott flies backwards into a fire hydrant. BOSH! A devilish grin appears on Lucas's face and he moves to attack once again. This time, as Lucas pulls the slowly recovering pilgrim to his feet, Lucas is thrown on over the top of Scott and onto the hydrant, which explodes into a vertical rush of water as he is thrown up into the air to come crashing down into a large puddle on the street. Splash! As Pilgrim repels the first skirmishes from the exes, it becomes clear that this guy will be no easy pushover. It's time for them to come together. Right now, over him. The only type of flower you'll be seeing after today are the ones that'll be on your grave, Pilgrim! shouts a furious Matthew Patel. Expecting another onslaught, Scott graces himself but the Xs just stand there, motionless. mega assemble! Shouts Gideon from behind his team. Ramona looks confused, but then something starts to happen. Upon his command, the seven evil Xs begin to slowly float into the sky. Their forms merge and coalesce their powers, fusing into a towering entity. A colossal figure, standing 15 metres tall, materialises and a patchwork of their combined abilities. It wields the strength and fury of Matthew, the speed and the stunt skills of Lucas, the psychic prowess and vegan powers of Todd, the inciting fighting skills of Roxy, the telekinesis of the twins, and the mystical mastery stitching them all together from Gideon himself. A formidable adversary, the composite Mega X, looms above them ready to face Scott Pilgrim in the ultimate showdown. Scott Pilgrim, prepare to be extinguished! The Mega X delivers crushing blows that shake the ground, and Ramona is buried underneath the rubble of a house that comes crashing down. Hurt and unable to move, the Mega X closes on Pilgrim. It moves with speed, evading Scott's attacks effortlessly. Psychic prowess of Todd, Roxy's fighting skills and Lucas's stunt skills allow it to anticipate Scott, countering his every strike. Todd's vegan powers heal any wounds and amplify its strength. Using telekinesis, objects hurtle towards Scott, impeding his movements. It doesn't matter that they have their individual weaknesses. Unified, the X's are completely unstoppable. Overwhelmed by the combined might of the X's, Scott fights valiantly, but ultimately succumbs to their undeniable power. We've exceeded your limit, Pilgrim. Time to exit the stage. The Mega X delivers a final blow and Scott bursts into a thousand chocolate coins, which Gideon later eats on his throne. While stroking the now hopelessly subservient Ramona, it does appear that victory
0: is indeed sweet like chocolate, baby. So <laughs> they are an homunculus, would you say?
2: Yes, essentially. Yeah, like, well, I was thinking really, it was like the Power Rangers, but instead of like having their own like Zoid and being strapped to, and
0: forming like an arm and leg and stuff they just come together in one like body and it'll i'm pretty sure it's been many years since i read it but i'm pretty sure that's what actually happens in the final fight in the comic yeah i think so something along those lines either it's a big mech or it is everybody like joining together like the power rangers huh. super zord well that's what i, I just thought for because i thought well they, they're not going to beat him on his own
2: and then i thought i'll have them all fighting as a gang but I thought that's a bit boring. So why not have him doing like a baddie Power Rangers type thing? So that's what I did.
0: The only other note I've got is it just made me titter when you said that he would edge them in combat. I went, <laughs> 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 Got a question for you.
2: Adam. Yeah. Yeah, fire away.
3: The exes, including mm-hmm. Gideon, are doing this in mm-hmm. front of Ramona. Yeah. Isn't that going to kind of put her off him a little
2: bit? No, she's controlled by a chip. She'll do whatever she's fucking told. Mm. Neat little package. <laughs> and she and she was buried underneath the rubble of a house. So she's dead? No, she's not dead. <laughs> she's not dead. I should win her heart by killing her. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. Yeah, he slammed his, either stamping or slamming his fist into the floor and a house collapsed
1: I just killed my ex not the best idea did you say
2: Gideon was the head I didn't say that, I didn't say anybody was any part in particular I just said they were all combined into this one homunculus or whatever you want to call it, it so this one super being and then they, it was like you, it had all their strengths but and all their weaknesses but together their strengths overcame their individual weaknesses yeah so who was the head Oh big big Gideon will be the brain, but I didn't I didn't envision anything for, for the thing itself. I just imagined it's gonna be this great
1: big entity. Could Scott in principle touch the back of the knee of the Megazord and give it milk and make it grind a rail and all the other stuff? <laughs> 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 uh I guess it's possible. It's
2: probably you know towards the you know likelihood of in the billions probably,
1: but yeah, it's there. Okay, okay. All right. Any, any more questions for Adam? All right, then uh, you can have my plan. Here it comes. No, no questions for me. <laughs> Gideon Graves and his League of Evil Exes are all consumed by the same green-eyed monster. Each one alone and embittered too focused on their pasts with Ramona to look at moving on. All that is, except for Todd Ingram. He has a relationship. He should be consumed by a certain brown-eyed monster. And who knows, maybe he sometimes is the lucky devil, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, why is it that Todd is seemingly driven by jealousy rather than envy? Hmm. Gideon finds the whole thing curious. As he's already keeping an eye on both the Battle of the Bands and the League of Evil Exes, this relationship is definitely on his radar. Something is sour and it ain't the milk. Gideon sets up a meeting with Envy about a potential gig, record deal, etc. No hard sells, just a chat about the future. Once he has her seated comfortably in his office, it's time for chips and dip. Microchips, that is and dip in this case meaning submerge as he places his mind control microchip on her neck and puts her under his thrall. But he doesn't keep her for himself, oh no. She's a gift for Pilgrim. When Scott and Ramona next encounter Envy, she's far from hostile or even jealous. Initially, she's contrite and encouraging. She tells Scott she's sorry for kicking his heart in the balls and hopes they can be friends again. She embraces Ramona and tells her to look after Scott. He's a keeper. She wishes them well and hopes they'll be happy together. Over the coming days, Scott and Natalie hang out, just as friends. They grab a slice at Pizza Pizza, play a few rounds of Ninja Ninja Revolution, go shopping at the Sonic Boom record store together. Scott listens to some of her songs, seeing the band in a new light. Until, that is his encounter with Todd. However, in this timeline, Natalie tips off Scott about Todd's kryptonite, even going so far as to serve the tainted coffee to him herself. When Scott and Ramona subsequently split and Ramona heads off with Gideon, Natalie is there to pick up the pieces. She gets him. She knows everything he likes. And under Gideon's control, she'll do it for him. So two of us using the old, uh, Old mind control, there.
3: Yeah, I expected all of us to
2: be using it to be honest. Two use the gang of exes, and then two use the mind control. So there's a nice thread running throughout there. And then one, whatever the
1: fuck, guys did.
0: <laughs> Mine was the most logical, I think you'd find. Yeah, <laughs> how's she going to escape from the moon? She's not going to, is she? Dumbasses.
1: We're suitcase on the moon. Suitcase on the moon What you get Suitcase her on then. the moon
2: Giant <laughs> steps up, what you take Suitcase
1: on the moon
3: <laughs> <laughs> So who's Natalie?
1: Envy, it's her real name
3: Ah, uh, okay Right, yeah, so you me by calling her Envy And then it changes Natalie
1: Well, it's because when she's back in dating Scott mode Or looking to be friends with Scott mode he She would call herself Natalie again As he calls her in the film And she says, nobody calls me that anymore. And he says, maybe they Uh, should. Envy, they're her middle initials. Natalie, Envy,
3: Adams. Um, Would Scott just go back to her, even though he's with Ramona?
1: Well, Ramona goes off with Gideon, and they've they've fallen out at that point. And in the Uh, film, he comes around to the idea of going after her. But with Natalie back in the picture and having had a nice time together already, I feel that they would just they carry on with that. He's kind of a uh, go with the flow type until he has that epiphanous moment and if that doesn't come I think he would just carry on happily with a an improved version of Natalie in his life.
3: Yeah, he seems a bit fickle of heart doesn't he at that
1: point? Yeah, I think so.
3: All right. All right. It's no suitcase on the moon
4: but fine. <laughs>
1: All right. Yeah. Yeah. Some truly diabolical schemes there, but who will get the votes? So to recap the plans, first we had Gaz's plan to be Marlon Brando playing jor as a, a suitcase making electronic sounds. <laughs> uh, Gaz's plan was to, to trap Ramona on the moon using a suitcase. And then we had Ben's chip wrapper which is uh, he wanted to control Scott with the chip. And then we had Adam's Voltron slash Mega X, combining all the evil Xs into one super being. And finally, my plan to have Scott consumed by Envy. Adam's, that is. Mm -hmm. So are we all ready to reveal our votes? All right, let's start with Gaz, who you voted for. I have chosen to write
0: my Victor's name in Wrestling <laughs> Carney, And
1: so I voted for Bizen. Bizen. And speaking of Bizen, who have you voted for, Bizen?
3: I voted for you, Countertacular.
1: All right. And Adam, who have you voted for? I have voted for...
2: Oh, sorry, I've run out of space to write your name, so I went on to the other side. Do you see that? It says Count
1: count Attacular. And if I'd known you had done that, (laughs) I would have uh, voted for you. But as it is, I have voted for you.
2: Hey! (laughs) Scraping up the points.
1: Gaz, tell us, what has that done to the Diabolical Season 3 leaderboard?
0: Well, do you know, it's going to come as a real shock, but I've just shot into the lead. <laughs> 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 Shit, I'd usually let girls be
3: in charge of the numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not really. I'm just being a dafty. Aww. In first place with 11 points is Countertacular. All right. In second place with nine points is Turner. In third place with six points is Ben. And last place with two is me.
1: Well, things can only get better. So playful. It's, uh, it's your film next, of course. So perhaps that will give you some home advantage. So tell us. Guys, what film will you be ruining for us next week? Next week,
0: I have picked a film in a non-English language because it's been a long time since we've had one. Mm. Uh, the last one was Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon in Season mm. 2. For you peril mm. pals out there, give it a listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week, we're going to be watching a Japanese movie,
4: mm. Japanese
0: horror movie by Takashi Mike called Audition. Oh.
4: subarashi
2: Ooh. yes never seen it but I didn't know it was a horror film so I'm looking forward
1: to it
4: mm-hmm.
1: what I would say is try your best to watch it between the hours of midnight and two uh, and then be on your own in in your home uh, with some doors open and stuff you'll you'll love it well the front door <laughs> <laughs> silly open <laughs>
4: just sitting here watching telly
2: with the front door open in the middle of the night no.
1: <laughs> really though no, don't do that yeah I won't
2: <laughs> I was going to watch a Kleenex uh, advert first <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> that about does it for this episode thank you for listening and if you want to earn the power of love and self-respect Make sure you subscribe, hit the bell, and leave us a review on the very platform on which you are currently listening. You can follow us on social mediums at Diabolical Pod, and next week we'll be competing to improve the diabolical plan of Asami in audition. Until then, I have to go pee due to boredom. He says something like that in the film, doesn't he? Because he says exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm reading the wrong fucking thing here, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a synopsis. Hang on. Somebody's knocking at the door.
3: Who's that knocking at the door?
1: Is it the Pope,
3: man? Yes, it's the Pope, man. Mr. Pope, man. Bring me Oh my pope. <laughs> Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. Mr. Pope Man,
2: bring me my post. Stop. <laughs> oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Pope Man. Pope hey, 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 hey. Mr. Pope, Mr. Pope, Pope Man.
4: Man. Mr. Mr. Pope, Pope,
2: Pope Man, can't you,
4: can't you see? Oh, Is there a
3: hymn or a psalm for me? Is there a big puffer jacket in the post for me? <laughs> oh, have you got a puffer jacket, Craig? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why would I have a new puffer jacket? <laughs> uh, I've got fucking Rambo's recap here. Yeah. Trid it. No, <laughs> know. Teasel trying to drive Rambo. <laughs>
2: yeah, you have gone quiet, mate. Yeah. Yeah. But your chuckles or whatever, or your mirth.
3: You've got quiet chuckles. Raise up the volume of your chuckles and do it now.
1: It's on 100 input.
3: I'm being bawdy, Craig. Enjoy it. <laughs>
1: Should we, uh, should we sing? What do we sing? Pilgrim,
3: meet Scott Pilgrim. He's the greatest guy in history from From the the town 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 of Toronto. Toronto. (laughs) He's a suitcase on the moon with me. (laughs) I was
0: gonna do. He's about to have a big old pee. (laughs) Uh,